Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Praise God. Well, I'm so blessed to be here tonight, even though I had to play drums. That was your opportunity to encourage me there, but that's okay. Anyway, now I want to I want to take a moment. I want to take a moment to pray for Day Day because he is he is sick in his body and he needs to get here. So he needs to be well. So we're going to pray for him. We're going to pray for Stephen's dad, who is having surgery tomorrow. Anybody else need prayer for healing that's, that's here? Or you want to stand in for someone tonight? If that's you, just stand where you are right now. We're just going to agree together. Those of you that are watching my live stream, you just agree with us in Jesus' name and those by podcast. Lord, we thank you right now for your healing power. Lord, you sent your word which means it's a settled deal. It's an established thing. You bore stripes on your back. And the Scripture says, Surely He has borne our sickness, our calamity, our malady, our sorrow, our disease, and He has carried our pains, our mental pains and our physical pains. And because He did that by His stripes, we are healed. So we declare healing in these bodies in the name of Jesus and in these minds, every tissue, every cell, and every fiber of their being to operate and function at peak proficiency in the name of Jesus. We send forth the word of healing, that word that is established, that word that is done because Jesus Christ said, it is finished. So we declare it is finished in these bodies now. Sickness is finished. Disease is finished. And the finished work of His healing is abounding in their bodies in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for it now. Thank you, Lord, for it now. We expect full recovery, total recovery in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. All right, tell somebody you love them tonight. Amen. I just have to say it again. My first experience at our church when it was Cornerstone Worship Center, the first time I walked through the doors in 2002, actually, didn't come on staff here until 2003, but it was 2002, and my mother was having surgery. If you guys remember, some of you remember back when my mom had brain surgery um, down in South Dallas, and so we were living out in West Texas, out in San Angelo at the time, and we came up to see her, and my dad said, you got to come to this church. And uh, so he was all excited about it, and, and it was in Storefront downtown. How many of you were there? All right, Storefront over on Lamar Street. And so I walked in, and the first person I come in contact with is Charlie. And Charlie was one of the greeters at the time, and he says, Hey! And he grabs me and hugs me. I mean, you've had Charlie hug. And hugged me, I mean, hugged me. I'd never been hugged that tight in my life. He hugged me, I mean, then he held me at an arm's length and looked me square in the eye and said, I love you. That's a shocking experience at first. But after a while, after getting to know Charlie and just the love that's in this church, I have to have that now. I have to have it. It's electric. It's contagious. It's very inviting. So that... I, I was, I really was, I was won over from that day forward. And so uh, I attribute my church membership to Charlie. 
Amen, Charlie. And uh, so, praise God. I, I'm just blessed to pastor this great church, and I'm, I'm so glad, glad that you guys come every week. It gives me somebody to preach to, and I, I appreciate that. Also, we have some watching um, via live stream. God bless you. We're really glad that you joined us uh, today. And also, those of you by, listening by podcast as well, thank you for taking the time to download our messages. We do this for you. We pray that you're encouraged and built up and strengthened in the Word of God in your life. And I also must say hello to my friend, Cindy Joe. Hi, lady. Good to see you. So glad you're here tonight. Now, let's take our Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians. Now, we are going, if you're in an actual, one of those archaic things known as a, it's got leather and paper and ink on it, uh, and uh, if you have one of those Bibles, lick your finger good because we're going to be flipping pages for a little while tonight. We're, we're in 2 Corinthians, and we are in our Route 66 series as we've been walking through the different books of the Bible. We started in Genesis about, oh, about when God created the world, and, uh, and now here we are in 2 Corinthians, and uh, happy to be in this book tonight. 1 Corinthians has a lot to do where Paul is dealing with a lot of divisions in the church in various ways, and church misconduct, and sexual misconduct, and he's having to hit on all kinds of things, people suing each other, uh, what a marriage is supposed to look like, and, and all those kinds of things, how to treat one another in communion, and, and the gifts of the Spirit, and what those look like, and how to operate in those gifts in the church, and how to not overdo it, but certainly don't underdo it, and so he's just having to teach these, as we call them, as Paul called them, carnal babies, carnal saints, are baby saints, um, how to prod them along, even though they are perfected in Christ, yet they're walking out that perfection in this life. You know what that's like, don't you, Christian? Don't always feel perfect, even though you are, because you got to look at that flesh every day in the mirror, and you got to deal with that flesh every day, and you got to deal with that tongue in your mouth, and that, those thoughts in your head, and you got to renew your mind, and make that tongue say what it needs to say, and, and make it obey what your spirit is saying. Amen, because your spirit is now perfected and because it's just like him. So now the spirit of God lives inside of you, and he's here to guide you into all truth. And uh, you have an anointing that teaches you all things. That way, so you know, you always have the power to do it. Hmm? You always have the power to live this. I come on, somebody say, I got the power. Some of you are too young to remember that. Some of you are too old to even know that song. But some of you are just right, right in my age. Okay. So, um... But he has given us the ability to walk this, this perfection. I remember, what, I think it was last week I said that you do not, we are not um, living our lives or living to, toward perfection. We are actually living from perfection. All right? That is from the inside out. And letting, working out this salvation with fear and trembling. And so in 1 Corinthians, that book, Paul had to really settle some issues because they had written him a letter. And so he sat down to, to set some things straight in the church and to teach them what um, separation from the world looks like, or we call it sanctification. Now we get to 2 Corinthians, and this book, Paul delves into theological ideas. Or, uh, and so this is where I go... All right, this is what I love. And where he takes him into the depths of this grace that we are now experiencing and this faith that we're walking by 
and this reconciliation now that we are experiencing as his children. So, but what, before we get into all that, I want to just walk you through some verses in 2 Corinthians that you know, that you've at least heard if you've been in the church, uh, especially in this church, uh, for, you know, a service or two. And so um, I just want to go over some that just to encourage you and excite you about this particular book itself. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Surely you quoted this even with your own mouth. For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. How about 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14? Now thanks be to God who always leads us in what? That says umph, but it's actually triumph. Leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now remember that Daryl Evans song, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Mm, 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 mm. That's a good song. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, I don't know what, what that does for you, but that humbles me to the core. To think about that God would come and dwell in us. This treasure in earthen vessels. Men and women made of dust. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13, you might have heard me quote this in once in a while. And since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. So the spirit of faith is believing and speaking. Remember how I've taught you that faith comes by what? By hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And your faith is released or put into action by your speaking. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, right? speaks to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. There's the exercising of your faith by the words that are coming out of your mouth. Isn't that a powerful thing? The same spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, are eternal. Now, that's an amazing thing, too. And then you have to understand this sixth sense that we have called faith. Otherwise, how, does, how does, can God possibly expect us to not look at the things that we're looking at, but to look at the things we're not looking at? There's only one way to do that. By faith. Verse, chapter 5, verse 7 says it, For we walk by faith and not by sight. I want you to just take ownership of that. Just say, we walk. Um, we're talking, all of us in this room today, we walk by faith. They walk a different way, but we walk by faith. They walk by their senses. They walk by what they know. They walk, walk by what they've learned in, in the universities. They walk by, by, by what they feel. They walk by what they think. They walk by what they say, but we walk by faith. See, that's what separates us from the rest of the world. That's what separates the children of God from all the rest of the world. Because we walk by faith. Because we understand that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. And we are of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken someday, but this kingdom will never be shaken. 
and we're citizens of that kingdom, and we're ambassadors for Christ. Therefore, we walk by faith and not by sight. We are not limited to the sensual realm. No, we've given ourselves over to insanity. But for us, it's perfectly sane. To the world, it looks crazy. It looks risky. But let me remind you again, you're only risking if you don't believe. Faith isn't risky. Faith is rewarding. Faith is the victory. Anything else you do as a Christian outside of faith is a risk. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So now, he has a ministry of reconciliation to you, and he's passed on that ministry of reconciliation to you to pass on to others. That is, here it is. Here's that ministry. Are you ready? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now, how... God, help us, help us. How have we gotten off of this message? Now, I'm not talking about you. How has the church gotten off of this message and on to sin so much? When God's not message is not a message of sin, it's a message of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the what? Did he reconcile the world? Did, did he mean the United States? Did he, did, did he was he talking about... <clears throat> Muslims do. And, and Putin, the Russians. Huh? Did he reconcile the world or did he reconcile part of the world? Just parts he likes. Like McKinney. I know he likes McKinney because you all live here. He reconciled the world to himself. Now think about this for a moment. Now, we have, to, we have to recognize this because, because if, if, we don't, if we don't really grab a hold of this truth, then we will buy into the lie or even consider the lie that all religions are good on one level. Because on that side of the world, they seem to be more, you know, prone to Buddhism. Or over here, it's Hinduism. Over here, it's... So, I, apparently, God works... Just in all kinds of ways. No, no, no. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. In other words, what he said is Christ is the answer for the world. God so loved the world that he gave the entire world his son. So there are not other things going on that God's in on. He's only in his son and those who believe on his son. It's the only way that will lead us to the Father. All the other roads are taking people to a judgment seat, to God. Yeah, they'll all lead to God, but to the judge. But that road that God built to us through Jesus will take us to the Father, not the judge. Thank you, Lord. So this is the message. This is our ministry, my family, that God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself. They need to hear this good news. This is the message that the world needs to hear. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. That is that God was in Christ. So what is God looking at when he sees the world? How many of you know that there's pain, 
there's violence, there's injustice, there's hunger, there's all kinds of sadness and brokenness and misery in this world. But God is not looking at the world that way. Because if He's looking at the world as a sinful world, then He doesn't believe in what His Son did. But He does believe in what His Son did, so He's looking not at a sinful world, but a reconciled world. See, it's the Son who is seated in His own blood now, also known as the Lamb of God, who Himself is storing up wrath. And those who reject His sacrifice will incur that wrath. But the Father's wrath is satisfied in the Son. Wrath against, so God's not angry with man. God's not angry with the world. If He is, He's unjust. But He's not. And unfortunately, the church is preaching that he is because they're so heavy handed on sin. And nobody gets set free that way. And the message to the sinner is not stop sinning. What if the sinner does stop sinning? Can he get saved by doing that? No. No. Can't get saved by stop sinning. Get saved by, get saved by believing on Jesus. Hmm? It's the only way anybody can get saved. So... God was in Christ reconciling the world, not imputing their trespasses to their is. So that's what I'm saying. He doesn't hold their sins against them. Not imputing their trespasses to them. It has committed to us, what? The word of reconciliation. That's the message we preach, my family. That's the good news that we preach. Now, I know you get ticked off at what goes on in the world. We don't like what happens in the world, but you cannot put a cancer in this message. You cannot add to this good news just because you're ticked off because you don't like the way things are going. You need to repent. I was driving through Granbury. I was preaching in our Granbury campus the other day, and I was driving by, and on a telephone pole there in town, somebody had nailed to this, to this telephone pole the word repent, right? I'm just like, oh, boy, that's a win and a loss right there. I tell you what. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry that is that God was in Christ. Now, verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. Can you catch the spirit of this? This message is God pleading through us. This is such good news. This is such good news. He paid such an incredible price through the very life of his own son the very death of his own son, that he's pleading through us, be reconciled to God. See, God did his part in this reconciliation. He did his part. He was in Christ. He reconciled the world, the world to himself. But he needs you to be reconciled. How do you be reconciled? You believe it. Now he's saying, be reconciled. You're reconciled. So be reconciled. Amen. We implore you on Christ, God, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, I love this. For he made him, that is, God made his son Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for who? For us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank you, Lord, for that. Now, is that a beautiful theological truth right there or what? That's part of that exchange that took place. He became sin, and we became righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. We certainly got the better end of that deal. 
Look at verse chapter nine, or chapter eight, verse nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That here's another exchange that took place. That of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for our sake, for whose sakes? Does that include you? Are you the hour that it's speaking of right here? Okay. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. So what happened in that exchange? Jesus Christ became poor so that you could become what? Rich. Yeah, we got the better end of that deal too. We got righteousness and we got rich. He became sin and he became poor. This is really working out well for us. We also know that he became wounded so that we could become what? Healed. Wounded so we could be healed. So, did we get the better end of that? So we get righteousness, we get rich, and we get healed. Oh, there's another place where it says on Galatians, it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay, so check this out. So Jesus became a curse, and we became what? Blessed. He became a curse, and we became blessed. Do you think that we got the better end of that deal? So we became righteousness, we became rich, we became healed, and we became blessed. Wow. Now, listen to me. If this is the kind of message that we'll give to the world, I think that the gospel preached right is virtually irresistible. It's virtually irresistible. Who wouldn't want to make that exchange? And he, the son of God, became the son of man. The word became flesh so that we, the sons of men, could become sons of God. I'll never get over that exchange. Chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Well, there's a, there's a good truth right there, isn't it? Right? You give little, you get little. You give a lot, you get a lot. All right? Is that simple enough? So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Oh, I love that. That word cheerful means prompt to do, ready to act. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Let's try that one again. Wow, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Does that all sound like good stuff to you? See, you know these scriptures now, don't you? Did you realize all these were in 2 Corinthians? Isn't this powerful? How about this one, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. All right, in other words, they're not according to the flesh. So like David, when he faced Goliath, he said, you come to me with a sword, a spear, a javelin, and all your stuff, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, all right? Because when you got the name of the Lord, it don't matter what armor they got. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, let me just help fix some issues, all right, that I, I grew up 
and, and when, whenever strongholds were talked about, we went outside and we rebuked like the prince of this air and then we went over this stronghold over this city and this strong, we tear it down, we're going up to the high places. Y'all remember that? Going up to the high, tear the devil's kingdom down. All right. Love Brother Ron Cannoli. Let's go up. All right. Anyway, but it's talking about pulling down strongholds, right? Tearing down strongholds. Okay, wait a second. Let's keep reading because there's a comma here. What, what are those strongholds? Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring into every thought. Oh, that stronghold's right here. Oh, it's not as easy. That's not as easy. Because I, li- I just want to blame it all on the devil. Right? I mean, come on. Anybody here raised, I, I can remember being raised in Pentecostal church and everything, the devil was up to something all the time. And if, and if something went wrong in the music, static, boy, let's just rebuke the devil right now. Devil, get out of this sound system in the name of Jesus. All right. I think that's just, a, you just got to change the frequency on that thing out there. saying it never was the devil, but it's not always the devil. I mean, come on. <laughs> All of a sudden, it just gets weird in the room, right? That stuff used to scare the crud out of me, you know? I just wanted to come to church, and it's like, in the name of Jesus, devil, we command you to, like, I don't think I want to participate in this activity, bringing every thought, watch, bringing every thought into captivity, which means, let me, let me tell you something, you have authority over every stronghold up here by bringing it into captivity. You have the power to change what you think. Huh? You don't have to let your thoughts come, I can't help it, it's the way I think. Well, change the way you think, all right? That way we don't have to listen to your garbage. Amen. And 2 Corinthians 13, 12. I like this one. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I don't know what a holy kiss is. I'm going to have to just be honest with you. I don't know if I've ever seen that demonstrated. Except in marriage, I guess it's a holy kiss, isn't it? But I, I don't know what... I don't know what a holy kiss is. Y'all want to try it? Let's start it. I mean, it says greet one another with a holy kiss. If we're going to live scripturally, better get to kissing each other. When I went to Mexico with uh, Pastor Chris Quinones a couple of years ago, we did a pastor's conference out there in Mexico City. It was a dream come true for me because I'd always wanted to go. Uh, to Mexico City, I had a, uh, Stephen and I had a friend growing up named Casey Eaton. His dad was a missionary to Mexico, and Casey grew up part of his childhood in Mexico, and he was always talking about Mexico, and, uh, and could speak Spanish fluently, and I was always a little jealous of him, and anyway, so um, 
I've been other places in the world, but I want to go to Mexico. So got to go to Mexico City and do this pastor's conference. And, and uh, so as soon as we walked into the church, it's all these, it's like every member in the church greets you at the door. They don't have a greeting team. The entire church is the greeting team. And they're all just like, just bunch around. And I mean, you get kissed all over the, I mean, just, the, I mean, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, you get kissed on the face, all over the face. Let me, all over the face. Lord Jesus. From, from people all over. Okay, never mind. I can't even say it right. So, I mean, it's like they, 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 the ladies come in. This even do got. They kiss you, kiss you. So after after we got through the kissing line, we got all the way through, and Chris like Chris goes, "Oh, I forgot to tell you, they kiss a lot here." In the, they, uh, really? Thanks, Chris. Day late and a dollar short, buddy. But I did call my wife and tell her. I think I could get used to this uh, kissing thing. I, it's pretty nice. I want to go to one last, one last thought for tonight. And 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Paul is on a, I'll just say from chapter 10, after he teaches on pulling down the strongholds and... Um, and then he starts going into defending his apostleship. And he starts talking about there are those who come in and they're, they're, they're using the church by talking about how much they suffer for the gospel. And, 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 and touting their suffering. And, and Paul says, hey, hey, fools talk like that. That's fools talk. So he goes on this rant from chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12, where he is on this amazing, sarcastic journey. And every once in a while, he reminds them, this is not the Lord. He says, this is fool's talk. And he's talking about all the things that he endured, the three shipwrecks, the beatings, the stonings, all of that kind of stuff. He says, I'm speaking like a fool. You compelled me to do this. You want to hear how much I've suffered for the gospel. And you think that makes me more spiritual? Do you think that's what gives me authority over you? This is fool's talk. And he gets to this place here in chapter 12, and he says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. How many of you know Paul had some revelations? A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of who? So we know that this is not from God, right? This thorn in the flesh is not from God. It's a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. The, de the devil said, no, 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 we got to put a stop to this message going out. All right, now watch. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. Uh, what does that say? That it might depart from me. And he said to me, that is, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, that, that's interesting to me. He says, I pleaded with the Lord three times. Now, this verse is a verse that has really been misunderstood for years and years. And I have to, is it okay if I'm honest with you? You hope I'm honest with you, right? I'm, I, I have found even my own personal struggles with it. Because if you're, if, you don't, if you're not seeing this in the right way, then you'll be tempted, and maybe you have been tempted, to accept 
whatever may be ailing you, whether it's a sickness or whatever, that you accept it because of what you read right here. To not grow in your faith and fight this thing. Because, you know, after all, well, Paul prayed three times and Jesus basically said, stop praying, I'm not going to heal you, I'm not going to. Now, I don't know why or when or how this started being read like that. But you don't see the word no here at all, but it's preached like that all the time. Jesus said, no, Paul. My grace is sufficient. I'm not going to heal you. I'm going to give you grace. I'm not going to deliver you. I'm going to give you grace. Now, wait a second. Well, what is grace? What is grace? Come on. We know what grace is, right? It's what? Unmerited favor. Undeserved favor. Huh? So if it's undeserved favor, okay, so let's, let's, let's put that mentality in the rest of the Scripture, all right? No, my grace is what I'm going to give you. I'm not answering your prayer. I'm giving you my grace instead. So we read over in Genesis chapter 6, and Noah found grace in the eyes of God and perished in the flood with everybody else. Is that what happened? No, Noah found grace in the eyes of God, and what happened? He got delivered from the flood. Ephesians says it like this, for by grace you have been saved, but you're still going to hell. Is that what it says? So what did grace do then for you? Grace saved you or delivered you from the wrath to come. So Paul is saying, deliver me from this thorn in the flesh, and the Lord says, my grace What's attached to his grace? Deliverance. My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, I've already given you the deliverance, Paul. I don't know how somebody made this about sickness that Paul was talking about. Some believe it was about his eyes or some other physical ailment. But... When we interpret Scripture with Scripture, that's not at all what was happening. So listen to this. I'm just going to read these Scriptures to you. Just imagine Paul is a Pharisee. He is a scholar of the law. Matter of fact, he said he was a teacher of the law. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And concerning that law, he was blameless. How many of you know that he knew the Old Covenant very well? So when he says a messenger of Satan or a thorn in the flesh, oh, so let's take that term thorn in the flesh and let's see where else it is in the scripture. This is called the law of hermeneutics, where the scripture interprets scripture. Bible interprets Bible, okay? We don't just get to make up whatever thorn in the flesh is because it works well in our denomination, all right? Let's see what the scripture says. Aren't you glad his grace is sufficient for you? Huh? Listen to this, Numbers 3355. You can do some of this studying yourself. Just write these down if you want to. Uh, if you don't want to, then forget you then. All right, Numbers 30. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just having fun. Numbers 3355. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. What, what is described there as thorns in the sides? 
people. Foreign armies, foreign nations harassing them. Watch. Joshua 23, 13. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, for they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. What are these thorns and what are these scourges? People groups. Judges chapter 2, verse 3. Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. What we're talking about here? False gods, pagan people. Ezekiel 28, 24, and there shall no longer be a pricking briar or a painful thorn for the house of Israel from among all those who are around them who despise them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord God. Okay, wait a second. So anything that has to do with thorns in someone's sides or in their eyes or anything like that has to do with some harassing people. Was Paul harassed by people? His own people especially. Over and over again. He said they were messenger of Satan. All right, so they came and constantly, no matter what city Paul showed up in, the Jews somehow got news of it and they came to beat him to death. Or kill, I mean, they wanted him dead, dead, dead. I mean, there were some guys that were so hardcore about it, they vowed to not eat until he was dead. Well, he lived. I don't guess they died. Starvation. They wanted him dead. They didn't want him to just put him in prison. They wanted Paul dead. They wanted this message stopped. Why? Because as Jesus faced them earlier in John chapter 8, and he told those Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. Those bound to that religious system or the devil system were simply being used as tools in Satan's hand to take out this message and the man behind the message. Doesn't that take all the mystery out of wonder what Paul's thorn was? Well, it was people trying to kill him. Pretty simple. Maybe later on we'll extrapolate on that, and I'll show you some places where there have been some ideas that it was some kind of sickness, and I can, I'm happy to refute and argue any of that. But we're out of time tonight. So... 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 4, and 5. I want you, just for some Bible reading the next few days, I want you to focus on those three chapters. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 4, and 5. Chapter 3 talks about the old law that had the old glory and the new law of the Spirit, the new covenant that has a glory that excels, that never ends. Chapter 4 goes on to, to extrapolate on that even further. And that's where it talks about that we don't look at the things that are seen. And then chapter 5 takes us over into that, what that reconciliation is, and how we walk by faith, and how we're a new creation in Christ. Chapter 3, 4, and 5 of 2 Corinthians, okay? All right. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand together. Amen. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord, and just let's take a moment to say, Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for this covenant, this new covenant, this new and living way that Jesus Christ made for us. Thank you that you're looking at a reconciled world. God was in Christ doing that. Thank you that you're not holding our sins against us even right now in this moment, Lord. Hallelujah, that all of them are washed away. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Thank you, Lord, that we are free in Jesus tonight. 
Thank you for your grace that truly is sufficient to save us, to deliver us, to protect us, to heal us, to help us in our, our very present time of trouble. Thank you, Lord, right now, God, that victory is ours. Hallelujah. Victory is mine. Y'all remember that song? Okay, I'll keep moving. Thank you, Lord. And truly, you give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, and you always lead us in triumph. Thank you, Lord, that when we believe you, Jesus, you said, all things are possible to those who believe. Thank you, Lord, that you so loved us that you gave us everything heaven could afford in that darling of heaven, Jesus Christ himself. Thank you that he came, that you came and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us, and that you bled and died for our sins. And they buried you in a borrowed tomb. But three days later, God raised you from the dead. And Jesus, thank you that now you're seated at the Father's right hand praying for us. Thank you that you are there to ensure good things to come. And as long as that man, Jesus Christ, is seated next to the Father, all men have hope in God. Thank you, Lord, for that. And by that blood, we who were far off have been brought near. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your Holy Spirit who lives in us daily, that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you see us above reproach, blameless and holy. Thank you, Lord, that you so thoroughly believe in this work of Jesus that you came and decided to dwell on the inside of this earthen vessel. Hallelujah. Thank you that we are joined to the Lord. Therefore, we are one spirit with him. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives abides and dwells in us and in you we live and move and have our being thank you lord thank you for your grace that abounds to us that where sin abounded grace much more abounded hallelujah thank you lord for the free flow of your spirit in our lives for the anointing that removes every yoke and destroys every burden thank you father god that we come to you you said, make this exchange with me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, who are weighed down, and I will give you rest. Thank you that you give us this rest. I think even tonight, when your people laid down on their beds, that they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make them dwell in safety. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for the language of the Spirit that you've given to us. That beautiful language of the Spirit where we can communicate with our God the mysteries of God. Hallelujah. And we can declare the things of God without the natural mind even having an effect on it. Thank you, Father God, that you have so freed us. Lord, you've given us this this ministry. Now we want to take it into our neighborhood. Now we want to take it to our workplace. Now we want to take it to our family and friends. This good news. This good news that saves lives. This gospel that has the power to save anyone who believes on it. Lord, that we would live our lives and speak in such a way that we're never ashamed of that. Oh, we might be ashamed of things we've done or things we've said, but we will not be ashamed of the gospel. We will declare it and we will demonstrate it in the earth. Hallelujah. And I pray, God, as your people go, that that message goes with them and the captives get set free. Now may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, 
please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.